You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Real talk. Bullies be bitches. Facts. I completely agree. Unless somebody try to bully my kids... I fight mamas, grandmas, <laughs> aunties, all of them. Dead ass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. So, this story takes me back to my coaching days. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in Brooklyn, coaching a lot of kids from Flatbush, East New York, Brownsville, Canarsie. And there was a young man who, of course, I'm not going to say his name because a lot of these conversations were had in, in confidential. But he grew up in a home and it was just him and his mom. And I remember his mom brought him to me when he was about 10 years old and said, you know, um, Coach DeVal, you know, he has an issue where he's soft. He's just soft. Like, I, I put him in football because I need him to get tough. And, you know, everyone says that you can help him play football better. So I'm bringing him to you. So for about two years, I was working with him in, in prototype. And he was he was working his tail off, but he just didn't seem that interested. And then first day of middle school, he comes in and his mom is just screaming. They bring him into the office. His mom is just screaming. Like, you got to stand up for yourself. You act like a fucking punk. If you act like a punk, that's why niggas is going. Like, she was just screaming at him. Mm-hmm. And he was just sitting there. He was just taking it. Then I was just like, mom, can you just, like, step out for a second? And she stepped out for a second. So I said to him, I was like, hey, what's, like, what's going on? What's, what's the matter? And he was just like, it just doesn't stop. Like, it just never stops. It's like, if I'm not getting it. From my mom, when I go to my dad's side of the family, they all call me soft. Then when I go to school, they all call me soft. And it's like, it's just everywhere I go, everybody's calling me soft. And I don't know what they expect for me to do, mm. right? <clears throat> so I said, well, you know, you you play football. And he's like, that's nothing. I don't even want to play football. Mm. So I was like, all right, um, step outside, let me talk to your mom. So I ended up speaking to his mom and I said, mom, let me ask you a question. How often do you tell him that he's soft or that he's a punk or that he's a pussy or any of these things? And she's like, Coach DeVal, every day I just don't want my son to get 
bullied and I'm just trying to get him to toughen up. And I said, do you realize that the first bullies are often at home? Facts. And she was like, what you mean? I said, imagine being eight, nine, and 10. And every day you wake up, your mom is telling you, you soft, don't get bullied, right? Like what kind of empowerment is that for a young man? Have you ever even given him the tools to fight back? Right. Is he in any martial arts? Has anyone ever taught him how to fight? Mm-hmm. Does his dad take him to boxing, right? All of these answers were no. Mm-hmm. No one invested the time, but they were all calling, telling him not to be soft, not to be a punk. So I said, just do me a favor. He said he don't like football. Take him out of football. Let him come here and train, right? Let him just be around me and my brother and a lot of the other kids because in prototype, we created a, a safe space. There was no bullying in prototype, mm-hmm. but we created a safe space for the young men to be young men. They used to slap box and play fight and wrestle and do all of that stuff. And there was a place for them to just, you know, be around each other and, and you know, be young men yeah, without, tussle, you know, without feeling like someone is going to overpower them mm-hmm. or take advantage. So for two years, he was there. When he got into eighth grade, his mom came back to me and said, um, Coach Val, I want to thank you. And I was just like, why? She was just like, Ever since he started to come to Prototype, he just had more confidence. Mm-hmm. And the more confidence he had, people in school like started to leave him alone. And when he ended up going into ninth grade, he said to his mom, he thinks he just wants to play football again because he enjoys the camaraderie mm-hmm. that he had in Prototype. Went to high school to play football and ended up earning a Division three scholarship to play football. Wow. The same kid that they said was tough. I mean, was, was, not was, was not tough. They said he was soft, said he was a punk. Mm-hmm. And he ended up earning a Division three scholarship. And he's even getting me choked up now because I look at this young man and I'm like, imagine if he had no reprieve mm-hmm. or no one to show him how to defend himself. But right. the people around him kept calling him soft and a punk, right? Then you're creating a cycle and it's almost like you're creating a prophecy mm-hmm. where he is going to feel he's soft. And that's how people in these day and ages take their life. Mm-hmm. Because they get no reprieve from school or home. And it's hard for these young people, especially dealing with social media, to have everybody around them call them names. And I want to employ parents now. If you really want to help your kids get through this bully thing, empower them. Don't call them names. Nuck, if you buck, why nuck? 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 If you buck, nuck, if you buck. If you book. Yeah, we knocking and bucking uh, and ready to fight. I uh, bet uh, you I'ma throw that thing so haters better think twice. Uh, hey, uh, enough is enough. Yeah. Not rough and you stuck. Yeah. Boy, enough if you book. Enough if you book. Why? Nah. I'm gonna tell you why I dedicate that to my family. Cause we fighting, niggas. No, seriously, seriously. I remember when I was in third grade. Third grade, girl that used to like me or whatever. She was, she was saying something to me. We were having, you know, just in class. I'm third grade, right? And she ended up slapping me in my face. I didn't do anything because mm-hmm. she was a girl, mm-hmm. right? And this is what my mother said. My mother said, because I used to have a smart mouth. Everybody knows that. So we was shooting a dozen. Used to. Used to. Yeah, I, I, I stopped. I stopped. You're right. Since college. Remember college? <laughs> I changed. I changed a lot since college. That's a different story. I mean. <laughs> but um, we were shooting the dozens, right? And we was talking about each other. She was talking about me, so I started talking about her braids. Mm-hmm. And she ain't like that. Her braids was dusty. Her braids was dusty, right? <laughs> but I didn't start it. She started talking about me. The reason right. she started talking about me because I had a Tommy Hilfiger shirt, mm-hmm. and I, this is when I was going to school. PS two hundred eight in Flatbush, mm-hmm. and it was a college shirt, mm-hmm. and nobody was wearing really college shirts at that time. 
But I like to wear collared shirts because I remember watching New York Undercover and mm -hmm. Malik Yoba used to wear collared shirts. He was JT, you know, he was the JC, <laughs> the cool detective. So she was just calling me a geek because I had buttons on my shirt and I didn't have just like a regular T-shirt. So I started talking about her braids. So then she slapped me, mm -hmm. right? And then my mother said, <laughs> my mother said, let me explain something to you. Mm -hmm. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is outside of an ass whooping. Mm -hmm. Okay, somebody put their hands on you. You let the teacher know what happened. And that the next time somebody put their hands on you, you're going to put your hands on them back. Mm. Right? Now, of course, this changes men and women as you start to go through puberty and boys become a lot bigger mm -hmm. than girls. Mm -hmm. But at the time, the, the moral of the story was never let anybody put their hands on you. And I remember my mom saying this. If you let her or anybody put their hands on you, other people are going to think it's okay to put their hands on you. Mm -hmm. And now you're sending a message to other people. Then my father... Right, the following year was just like, I'm putting you in karate. Mm. Took me to modern combat systems. I studied jujitsu and taekwondo for five years. Mm -hmm. And my brother and I used to fight competitively mm -hmm. around the country, just like your brother, like Tristan, because mm -hmm. your mom literally did the same thing exactly with him. Exactly the same thing. And I got in my fair share of fights when I was in junior high school. Not that much in high school. My brother got into a lot more fights than I did because he was just a feistier kid. Mm -hmm. But I remember feeling empowered by my parents. Because they gave me the tools to defend myself and they gave me the okay to walk around knowing that if somebody messed with me, I can I can use my defense, my defense that I was taught. Mm -hmm. And if anything went wrong and, and they was just like, we're calling your parents, be like, call my parents. And I knew that my parents <laughs> we're gonna back were going to back me up. Yeah, yeah. Having that confidence walking through the streets made things easier for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because bullies, they... They test people mm -hmm. and they look for responses. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that when you walk around the world as if you're not prepared for what's going to happen, mm -hmm. more than likely you're going to attract the bully. Right. Because bullies are smart mm -hmm. in a sense, they right? They know exactly how they who know, to pray on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And when you give those messages, those signals that I'm the type to be bullied, mm -hmm. that's how you get bullied. You know, it's funny. I'm, I wonder where this like, the idea, not the idea, but okay, you notice that this term soft, right? Particularly mm -hmm. with people and their sons, no, Before you get started, yeah. you got to pay some bills. Oh, you and gave I, that whole... I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I did. I, you gave that whole spiel coming out of karaoke. I, I thought we were in the meat of the show. That's my bad. That's on me. That's not even on you. That's on me. All right, my bad. I bullied you into the show. My bad, <laughs> Look at right? you. Right? I didn't mean to do that. Trying to bully me not to pay no bills. You better go pay these bills <laughs> gonna, and come we gonna, back. We're going to pay some bills. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all. Losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. 
O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here... They're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurter to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're back. And we're talking bullying after DeVal gave y'all a long spiel after karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, y'all. You know, right. It's all good, babe. You know, you know, play as fuck up. But anyway, um, <laughs> it makes me think about like the term soft, right? We, we tend to put this label soft on children and it's right. on boys particularly yes. when they are young. Like yes. we all know that person that was like soft growing up or yes. like that always running behind their mom or like little things like that. And that in itself, I think is just the incorrect rhetoric to just be spewing at a child yes. off the bat. Yes. Because what tends to happen, the more you say something, the more you give affirmations to a person, whether they're negative mm -hmm. or positive, right? Because mm -hmm. affirmations are typically positive. But there can be negative affirmations. Yes, and if absolutely. you tell somebody that there's something enough, then chances are they're going to believe it. Absolutely. And they're going to succumb to that. Absolutely. So it was interesting in the story that you told that the mom, after you then kind of proposed the question to her, like, so have you ever done this or did mm -hmm. you try to do that to, you know, assist your son right. in becoming a little tougher or being able to stand up for himself? Mm -hmm. And she said no. Because, and this is the truth, man, a lot of, a lot of 
the kids that I trained during the time I said 75% of the kids I trained were from single parent homes, mm -hmm. you know, single moms. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these women don't understand what it's like to be a young boy because they weren't young boys. Right. You know, but what they fear, and I, I noticed from a lot of these women is they weren't doing these things or speaking down to them because they were trying to suppress their, their, right. their children. They thought they were, you know, taking the place of the father not being there and mm. being a man. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I noticed that it was all out of a place of love, but they just didn't know right. how to present the child yeah. with any opportunities to become better right. at Like what being. were the effective ways right. to Right, they didn't know what the, the effective ways were. Yeah. And they didn't even realize that they were spewing that type of negativity. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Stop saying, don't be soft, don't be soft. You're acting soft right now. Mm -hmm. You're being soft, right? And and there are ways to do that, mm -hmm. right? Like So, for example, my, my dad was big on that when we were being emotional mm -hmm. or we were acting out of character. Mm -hmm. He would point out, but he said, you know how you're acting right now. In real he, time. In real time. He never said, you know, you are. Mm. He's, he always pointed out. And I didn't realize until I became an adult. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was making some of those same mistakes. Mm -hmm. That there's power in words. Right. So when you say to somebody, yo, you soft. Mm -hmm. They take that in as they're just soft in general. Right. But when you say, you know, you're acting extremely soft right now. Can we can we talk about why? What is going on? Mm -hmm. Then those those words mean a lot different. Because like, wait, if I'm saying if I'm if I'm acting soft right now, that means that my dad doesn't believe that I am soft. Why am I acting this way? Right. As opposed to hearing you soft, and it's like shoot, now my father thinks I'm soft. Mm -hmm. And and I was guilty of doing the same things with Jackson. Like I I, I when I first became a dad. I remember when Jackson was two, he was in the gym and he was walking around the gym, walking around the gym too. And just being a kid and he fell, fell, hit his knee, boom, right? So I was crying and I'm like, man, you mad soft. Why you crying? Mm -hmm. You know, it was just like a reflex. Like, right. yo, why you, why you acting soft? What, what, what is that though? It's like the minute you see a boy child crying, it's softness. Like before you even, because that's stuff that you've I'm done a you lot of the is. times. Like mm -hmm. you, your brother, your dad, like if one of the boys were to fall and they start crying, it's mm -hmm. like an instantly get up. And I'm like, bro, you didn't even check to see if he's bleeding, if he's, you know, I'm gonna tell you something's why. broken. I'm, I'm so tell yeah, you, why. you can explain that. My, my parents, my father, my mom, they didn't, they didn't grow up in the best neighborhoods, mm -hmm. right? They grew up in Brooklyn. My mom grew up in the projects. My dad grew up in, in Flatbush and Troy Avenue. But your biggest fear as a parent is someone picking on your child. That's like the biggest fear. Absolutely. When I became an older brother, I all I ever thought about was I don't want my brother to ever be bullied, right? And the way you see bullies is it's like bullies are going to pick on the weak. So if you're crying mm -hmm. amongst a bunch of people you don't know, you're in the gym and you fall and you can't control your emotions enough to pick yourself up and at least go somewhere else to cry. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is going to consider you to be weak. And once they consider you to be weak, there's always the alpha or the person in that group that's going to pick on the weak because that's what kids do. And then you become the soft kid. So for me, saying that to Jackson, and it's completely wrong. It was completely wrong. But that was my first. No one taught me how to be a dad. Mm -hmm. So my first thing was just to get up, stop crying, don't be soft. You know what I'm saying? Don't be soft, don't be soft because I don't want anyone else to view my son as soft. Mm -hmm. The thing you want as a dad is your child to walk around the world and feel comfortable being himself. Right. And what we do is create a, a wall up mm -hmm. and say, don't cry in front of anybody. Don't be soft. Don't show no pain. Don't show no weakness. This way right. no one else can see you as a victim. Mm hmm Growing up in the 90s and taking the 6 bus, the 41 bus, and being in Flatbush, I knew every time I got on that bus, 
I had to get on that bus with my chest up and my head up because if I looked down or I looked like I was weak, I was going to be a victim. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to teach my sons how not to be victims. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to teach your sons, if you don't have the necessary tools and the proper language, you end up creating a victim right. because constantly being that person makes you a bully at home. Mm -hmm. And that was ultimately the point of the story was that most bullies are, most victims are created at home first. Mm. Right? The same way most bullies are created at home, most victims are created at home. And what I want to implore to parents in this day and age is I watched the, um, you and I were watching together. The young man was 13 years old, first week back in school and committed suicide. Right. Because he said he felt like, um, well, he didn't say, but his mom said he was being bullied. And she came out and she gave a, a, a heartfelt speech and she was like, I'm asking parents to teach your kids to be kind. Mm -hmm. And although I, I received her message and I understand where she was coming from a, a place of pain and hurt because she just lost her child, I felt like that was not the message. Mm -hmm. The message should have been, and, and I can't tell her how to feel, right. but the message should have been like, we have to teach our kids to be strong. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I wonder right. what those conversations were like for her son at home before he went to school. Right. You know, and I wonder how much did she even know that she could help her child not be a victim mm -hmm. at home the same way I didn't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Way? So again, another like proactive approach versus being, being reactive. reactive. Yeah. Because you can't ask everybody else in the world, teach your kids to be kind. Right. It's impossible. Right. But what you can do is help teach your kid how not to be a victim. Right. It's funny. My mom growing, growing up, my mom always... Whenever, for example, I'd want to go somewhere or do something or something that was going to be outside of like being at home or in a space where I felt like or she felt like she could protect me. Mm -hmm. Her response to me in saying no was usually, I'm not worried about you, Kadeen. I'm worried about the people out there. Yes. And as a kid and wanting to do whatever I wanted to do in that moment, I would just reply like, okay, well, A, that's not real life and that's not the mm -hmm. real world. Like eventually I'm going to have to be out there in the real world, which is easier said than done now that I'm a parent because in that moment mm -hmm. I'm just like, let me free, you know? And she's just like, it's not that easy. So now having mm -hmm. my own children, I feel the same way. Um, but in her telling me that she's not worried about the other people, she did do a really good job, her and my dad, of making sure that they spoke positivity into me. Absolutely. Uh, making sure that I knew what I was allowed to do, not allowed to do mm -hmm. instances where she was like, girl, if you did X, Y, Z, you on your own, because I'm not dealing with that. Right. You know, and, and she said that I think in turn to scare me in a, in a sense, right. like she'd be like, listen, I ain't coming to jail to bail you out. So it's right. on you when you do that. Right. Um, but she ended up putting my brother, for example, in karate for the same reason. Mm -hmm. She felt like he was soft. She recalled some encounter that he had with another young man. And she was just like, nah, mm -hmm. I don't think Tristan defended himself in that moment. Mm -hmm. So she put him in Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. And was like, he's going to learn how to fight and defend himself and all that. But then in the same breath would be mm. like, well, Tristan, if, you know, somebody hits you, you don't hit back because, you know, you don't <laughs> want to get, get in trouble and you don't want to get in trouble. Mm. And I used to be so confused by that because I'm like, okay, you're trying to empower him. But then also right. to you telling him not to fight back if he were to get into a fight, he should be able to defend himself in a fight. But I will say this, though. Your brother's never been in a fight. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because he knew he knew how to fight. So he walked around with a different confidence. When you uh, walk around with a different confidence, bullies can tell and be like, nah, that's not a guy that I want to right. deal with. Because most bullies, bullies don't want to fight. Right. The reason why they're bullies, they want to pick on people who will never fight back so they can continue to bully. Mm. So if you look like a kid, 
that will fight back, most bullies be like, ah, I'm turning the other way. Right. Which I understand where your mom was coming from, which is actually extremely smart. Mm -hmm. Also with you and your sister, right? Y'all did pageants. Mm -hmm. Pageants taught you guys what? Confidence. Confidence. Very true. You know, even young ladies get bullied. Young ladies get That's beat on. Young ladies get jumped. That's Grew up growing fact. up in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. And there was, there was no out. Mm -hmm. There was no, oh, if you're the pretty girl, you're not getting picked on. No, no. I done seen pretty girls get, get beat up on and, and get jumped. Exactly. I, I done seen awkward looking girls get picked on and jumped. I done seen big girls get picked on. I done seen skinny girls. No one is outside that right. bully aspect because right. it's all about confidence. confidence. They're going to find a way because yes. even the quote unquote pretty girl at school, mm -hmm. somebody either going to be hating on her or feel like, okay, she's pretty, but pretty for no reason. So it's right. like, great. She's pretty, but she's not confident. You and know? I'm going yeah. to make this point to show people that she doesn't deserve whatever attention she's getting mm -hmm. and that's what i'll say um look, let's let's read a couple of these facts and stats before we get into this okay okay cool let's do that so these facts and stats are from stopbullying.gov mm -hmm. so this is a government issue website um in 2014 the cdc and department of education's federal definition of bullying because that's important to mm -hmm. see what exactly is in the right. scope of bullying includes three core elements okay so number one is unwanted aggressive behavior mm -hmm. Number two, observed or perceived power imbalance. Mm -hmm. And then three, repetition or high likelihood of repetition of bullying behavior. Mm -hmm. Bullying affects all youth, including those who are bullied, those who bully others, and those who witness the bullying. Mm -hmm. The effects of bullying can continue on into adulthood. That's, I want to talk about that too, because this isn't only about children being bullied. Mm -hmm. It's about adults. Right. Because I also had clients. Remember when I used to do Married to the Gym? Mm -hmm. I had a grown adult clients who said they started coming to training because they were being bullied. Mm. And I was like, like I couldn't even fathom right. adults right. being bullied. But I'll let you finish this and I'll go into that story. But go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, kids who are bullied can experience negative physical, social, emotional, academic, and mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Kids who are bullied are more likely to experience the following. Mental health issues like depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. health complaints, decreased academic achievement, GPA and standardized test scores, for example, and school participation. And they are more likely to miss, skip, or drop out of school. Yes. Kids who, who bully others um, also engage in violent and other risky behaviors into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Very true. Kids who are bullied are more likely to experience alcohol and drug abuse as adults get into fights, vandalize property, or drop out of school, mm -hmm. engage in early sexual activity, have criminal convictions and traffic sightings as adults. <laughs> That's just mad random. If you a bully, man, you're going to get mad parking tickets. Bro. <laughs> it's like, like what? As you I'm do not it. use your turn signal and, and you don't indicate properly. It's like, yeah, like you don't care about <laughs> That's nothing. Mad random. You don't care about speed limits, traffic none citation. of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they, they can be abusive towards their romantic partners, spouses, and a and children yes. as adults. Yes. Right. Uh, right. Kids who witness bullying are more likely to have increased use of tobacco, alcohol, and other drugs. They have increased mental health problems, including depression and anxiety, and then miss or skipping school. Now, there's no stereotypical bullying, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't really know. This is like an umbrella term, but there's so many different right. layers to it. Youth who bully can be different socially, socioeconomically, and bullies can be kids who are... Also bullied. Also bullied I mean, and vice yes. versa. Mm -hmm. So that's when the bully starts the bullying. And because they bullied. all they see is bullied behavior at home. If they get bullied a lot, some of those kids turn out to be 
the exact carbon copies of the bullies in their house. Ah. So then they take on whatever whatever happens to them, all those projections, they then mm-hmm. project it on people at school. Yeah, pretty so much So I got to find behavior. someone smaller than me to bully because I get bullied at home. There you go. About 20% of students who age range between 12 and 18 experience bullying nationwide. Mm-hmm. And students ages 12 to 18 who reported being bullied said that they thought that those bu- those who bullied them, one, mm-hmm. had the ability to influence other students' perception of them, which mm-hmm. is crazy because it's like you think about the people who are not witnessing the bullying. Yeah. Then it's like a pylon technique what that tends to happen. Um, have more social influence, mm-hmm. were physically stronger or larger, mm-hmm. and also had more money mm-hmm. than them. The relationship between bully and suicide is complex. It's not accurate to present bullying as the cause or reason for suicide. And it's dangerous to suggest that suicide is a natural response to right. bullying. Extremely, extremely. Right. Um, and research indicates that persistent bullying can lead to or worsen the feelings of isolation, rejection, exclusion, and despair, as well as depression and anxiety, which then, of course, contribute to suicidal, suicidal behavior. behavior. Right. Yeah. And then the vast majority of young people who are bullied do not become suicidal. Most young people who die by suicide have multiple multiple risk factors. Right. Yep. So bullying may be something that puts them over the edge, but it may not be the the sole reason. So let me let me get to this story uh, about a young lady who mm-hmm. was trying out for not trying out for she was working out with me because she wanted to be she had just passed the physical mm-hmm. I mean the written test to be a um. What is it called? School safety. Okay. Just passed the written test to be school safety. And I knew her because she was a football mom. And she was about 26 years old. Mm -hmm. Very, very slim girl. You know, very slim girl. Her son was also very, very slim, meek. Mm -hmm. She was a very meek person. But she was trying to do her best to, you know, get into a place financially to be able to do better for her her son, her and her son. Mm -hmm. So she passed the test for school safety. So she's going through all of the workouts and going through all these things. And then she starts to talk to me about like people in her friend group. Mm-hmm. Right. And she was just like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm gonna put some weight on. You know what I'm saying? These bitches keep fucking with me. <laughs> and then I was like, 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 she was like laughing a little bit. And then I was like, what do you mean bitches keep fucking with you? But then she started to tell me like some of the stuff they do. And then she started to like well up. And I was just like, hey, hold on. This, this ain't, this ain't funny. Like, are you okay? And she's just like, no. And, and she just broke down. I was just like, I'm just tired of being the butt of everybody's jokes. I'm just tired of... And I was just like, are you sure these are your friends? Right. Like, are you sure? And she's just like, yeah, but it's just like, I don't ever know what to say back. I don't, you know, I don't have anything to say back. For example, she's the one in the friend group who was struggling financially, needed mm. to find a job. So it it really resonated with me because I'm like, dang, I feel like I'm speaking to someone like I was speaking to that junior high school kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is a grown, a grown adult woman. with yeah. a child. Right. right? And... It's funny you read all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, may have more social influence, um, may be larger, mm-hmm. may make more money. Mm-hmm. Because she was small, because all of her friends were, quote unquote, the cool people in the friend group, and because she was struggling financially, she felt like she couldn't defend herself in any facet. Mm-hmm. And she allowed herself to be bullied. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, I said, you know, you don't have to take people's shit just because you're not working. Right. You don't got to take people's shit because they're bigger than you. Like right. you really just don't. And you need have to, to reassess take... who these friends are. Right. So I'm like, you don't. You don't have <laughs> to take people's shit, right? Right. And she was just like, I just, you know, I just know that, you know, if I if I get a little muscle, if I get... so I, I realized like. So she was preparing to fight these hoes. No. Or what? She 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 literally. <laughs> 
says she just would feel better for herself if she just felt better. Felt better, right. So she came to work out so that she could pass the test, say she has a job, feel better, feel stronger. Mm -hmm. And we worked for six months, right? She ended up passing the test. And then um, she ended up not becoming a school, safe, uh, school safety. She passed the test, didn't want to do it anymore. Ended up going back to school, mm -hmm. right? And she wanted, I think she wanted to be a nurse's aide or something like that. Mm -hmm. But if you would have saw her change and how she walked around, just in passing the test, and she gained about 15 pounds mm -hmm. of muscle. You mm -hmm. know, we started to lift more weights because it was more about her being physical. She never got into any altercations with these women. She never, they still her friends. But she, what she said to me was she noticed that when she felt better about herself, mm -hmm. she felt better in the friends group and she didn't allow certain things to happen and it ultimately stopped. Mm. So it wasn't even about fighting. But then it, I realized it, it really had nothing to do with her friends. Right. Everything to do with her. Mm -hmm. When you feel better about yourself, you are less likely to get bullied. That is so true. So then I started talking to her about her son. I said, did your son get bullied in school? And she was just like, no, my son don't get bullied. And I was like, why don't your son get bullied in school? She said, because I'll never let my son be me. Hmm. Oh, so she was a very aware. She empowered her son. Like she, it's like her son, right. she had a son. Her son was a meat kid. But she never talked down to her son ever mm -hmm. because she, but I'm like, this is a person who was aware and was able to change the trajectory of her son's life because she was aware, but didn't realize how she wasn't changing her own trajectory. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times as parents, we put everything into our children and don't realize that the things that we don't want to have happen to our children are happening to us at work mm -hmm. with our friends, our neighbors, you know, and right. I want to em empower anybody, not just kids, anybody who feels like they're dealing with a bully because bullying doesn't always have to do with physical. Mm -hmm. People think if you get punched and then you get bullied. No, if someone is constantly on your ass, like saying things to you and, and just being negative about you, I want you at first, before you say what's wrong with that person, ask yourself, what's wrong with me mm -hmm. that someone feels, feels like this is okay it, to right. do this to me? Or why am I accepting this? Yes. Because we can't question. change right. other people. I mean, sometimes too, when you think about it, for example, what does bullying look like per se? Because that's also another question. You can think about, for example, when I was a kid, people used to tease me in mm -hmm. elementary school, right? They would tease me because I was super hairy. Like mm -hmm. I had hairy arms, hairy legs. Mm -hmm. I had a mustache at like eight. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that's just because genetically, you know, that's, that's my you makeup. Have. You know, yeah. that's how my, my people, my Sri Lankan side, all right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's coming through. Um, so... When people were teasing me about that, I guess I did have the confidence to be like, oh, whatever, it would roll off my back. Mm -hmm. It could have probably taken a turn where I was just, I was already super conscious of it. So it was something that I knew eventually, like, I have to find a way to get rid of this mm -hmm. hair. But it wasn't necessarily because I was being teased about it. It was because I mm -hmm. know that I didn't feel as confident with it. So at what point do we decide what exactly is bullying and what's just kids being kids, quote unquote, teasing? Right, you know, because I think it's 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 That's hard to point. really decipher what point. bullying is and what is a kid's just being kids kind of thing. Because you can't expect for all kids to just be kind and just you know never joke on somebody. No. So is it in that instance that you say you know what you empower your child to be able to kind of shoot the dozens with somebody and just you know do the yo mama jokes and things like that I mean, before it becomes an actual physical thing potentially? Yes, I I feel like as adults, if you have children. Right. You have a responsibility to equip your children with ways to defend themselves physically, mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Right. 
My father put us in Taekwondo and Jiu-Jitsu. We had to compete competitively for five years. Mm -hmm. I competed up until I started playing organized sports at 15, right? That was the physical part. When it came to mentally, I told everyone the story about me getting picked on about not being black on the school bus. My mm -hmm. dad gave me jokes to say in return. Like, mm -hmm. it was never... Uh, and my father and my mother both... Every, my mother used to say this all the time. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm me. That was my mother's thing. Mm -hmm. Let people be who they want to be. My father's like, yeah, they could be who they want to be, but always have something to say back. Because you don't want people to feel like they can pile on. Mm -hmm. Right? And then emotionally, it was... My, my mother... My father made up this rap. Right? My name is Deval. I drive the girls wild. All the fly guys try to bike my style, right? <laughs> and this is when I was five years old. But I felt confident because I was like, man, I'm a cool kid. You know, like right. my parents empowered me to love myself. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They, they empowered me to love myself and appreciate who I was. They taught me how to defend myself on all fronts. Mm. So I walked, th I walked through the world mm -hmm. differently. And I also walked through the world knowing that there may be challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Just because you have all this power don't mean you're the baddest motherfucker walking around. At some point, someone may test you. Be prepared to handle that test and deal with whatever consequences come with that. But I always knew I had someone to have my back. So even when I got into my fights, I wasn't concerned about getting in trouble because I never start fights. My mm -hmm. parents, man, my, as much as my parents talked to me about defending, they talked to me about being an anti-bully. Right. Right. I was going to say that because you think about it, if you empower someone so much to be so confident and mm -hmm. to just walk around like they have this air of like, nobody can fuck with me kind of thing, mm -hmm. what is preventing that person from then being the bully? It's your dad you know? telling you, you have a responsibility to protect the weak. That's right. what my father told me. Mm -hmm. he, he's like, you have a younger brother. And he, he always said this, you got to protect your brother. Mm -hmm. Same way I tell Jackson, right? Yes. Who you got to protect? He said, Cairo, Cash, Dakota. I'm like, Cairo, who you got to take? Cash, Dakota. Cass, you got to take Dakota. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And who's going to protect you, Jackson? He's like, you and mommy. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, I just taught him and when my father, you have to protect the younger person in your family, right? He also told me when you're out there in the world, if there's a weaker person that needs protection and you can protect them, you have a responsibility to do that. To do that. Mm -hmm. And he, and they just, there were certain things that they told me, like, you just, you're not cool for going with all of the cool kids and picking on a younger, weaker person. That's, there's nothing that's cool not, about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. But that's also, Starts from home, mm -hmm. and that's what the young the young lady whose son was, the young lady whose son had uh, passed away. That's what she was saying to the world was teach your kids to be kind, which I got. Mm -hmm. But there's also a part of that where it's like you have to teach your kids how to love themselves, mm -hmm. and we as parents have to do a better job of loving our kids, right? Without creating victims, right? Um, I. All of that, I think, is is spot on. And I was thinking of, because one of the questions here is like, do you think any of your children have experienced or witnessed bullying? And um, it brings me to a story with uh, Jackson when he was in, I think it was the first or second grade. Mm -hmm. And there was a student in the class who I think had an accident, you know, bathroom related accident. And the teacher at the time, they had a buddy system. So usually they'd go to bathroom, at least with mm -hmm. a partner. And the teacher kind of whispered to the kid, like, you know, is there somebody that you would want to go with you to, you know, help you out? Mm -hmm. And the, the kid said, I want Jackson to go. Mm -hmm. And Jackson, you know, went with him to the bathroom to make sure that he was okay. And the little boy's mom reached out to me after she got, I guess, my number from the teacher and was just like, you know, hey, I just wanted to thank you for raising such a empathetic child because mm -hmm. I asked my son, you know, in the midst of his little, mm -hmm. you know, accident him feeling bad, him crying about it, um, feeling embarrassed. She asked him, why did you pick 
Jackson of all your other classmates. And he said to her, because he, he, he just knew that Jackson was not going to make fun of him and Jackson would be a helper. Wow. And that made me feel good in that moment because yeah. I'm like, wow, at least we know that the things yeah. that, some things are, I think, innate with children. They yeah. just have that innate responsibility to yeah. want to care for others yeah. who may be in a weak moment. And I yeah. think Jackson definitely has that trait. Um, but knowing too that we have always... Um, poured into him and yes. spewed to him the importance of being kind to other people. And, yes. you know, this kid wasn't the most popular kid. And I think he was a little awkward too, right. you know, and they ended up becoming great friends, great friends. after that um, for years. And we still keep in touch with his mom to this day, but it's so important for us to just as parents teach our children about not just emotional awareness and how right. to control their emotions, but how to then be empathetic towards others yeah. who may be in a less fortunate situation. Yeah. Um, and that's super important for us because you, you teach these things to your children and you can only hope and pray that it'll be reciprocated mm -hmm. because I do believe like a lot of this energy does become re reciprocated after yes, a while, absolutely. you know? Um, so in the, the wake of him, you know, witnessing what could have been bullying for this kid, it was nice to see Jackson you know, just be nice. It's funny how you said, um, first of all, that story always warms my heart because I feel like we are doing a great job with mm -hmm. our boys. You know, um, the last thing you, it, what's even worse than for me than hearing that your child is being bullied is that your child is a bully. Oh, for sure. You know, like absolutely to, to hear, you know, later on in life that, you know, not later on in life, but you have someone come home and say, you know, your son was doing X, Y, Z, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't think children know sometimes when they are being bullied. Mm -hmm. Oh no, no, when they are bullying, mm -hmm. you know, and especially in that middle school yeah, that's arena, a very, like, tough because space. I remember, um, I got a Facebook message from a young lady. I'm not going to say her name, but we went to junior high school together and she said to Val, you know, I felt like, I felt like you bullied me in junior high school. And mm -hmm. I was just like, what do you mean? Like, like, what do you, like, what, how could you feel that? She's like, oh, just, you know. You and another friend and another friend, I used to just, you know, say stuff about me. And, and I was just like, young lady, I don't want to say her name. I said, it's funny you say that. We all liked you. Didn't <laughs> oh, know. Right. You're a boy. No one explains to you as a young man, like, what are these emotions that are, or feelings that I'm having? Mm -hmm. But we all liked her. Yeah. Right. So we used to pick on her. Right. Right. Like, you know, you just see her, you call her names, you know what I'm saying? Same thing probably with you and... and Elementary school call you Teen Wolf because right. the, the boys liked right. you. They don't know how to, you know, exactly. there's butterflies I got I'm like, my oh stomach. shit, somebody really like these hairy legs? Right. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, like you you don't know. Like a lot of these young young men or even young women because mm -hmm. it was the same thing. I used to, when I was in junior high school, yeah. girls used to make fun of my ears because I had pink lips. And girls were different back in the day. They used to act like dudes, right? <laughs> Girls Especially would, in New York. Girls in Brooklyn, would give you gills in the back of the neck and it's like they notice you can't hit them back. So right. they would do stuff to you and you'd be like, why does she why does she keep fucking hitting me? Like what's the, you know, now you realize like, oh, she probably had a crush on me. Right. So as a, a boy, we don't realize we're doing the same thing to these girls and don't realize that they may take it as bullying. Mm -hmm. Right. And when she gave me that message, right, and I was grown at this point. This is when Facebook, so this was I was a full adult. Mm -hmm. And she sent me the message, it was like I felt like I was being bullied. I apologize. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I never, that was never my intent. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that's in part why more parents have to have these conversations with their children to know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, any repetitive behavior that a person doesn't respond well to can be considered bullying. Whether it's just name calling or if it's physical. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to get to physical to be bullying. But I will say this though, you gonna say something? Yeah, I was. Uh, you're you're telling that story made me think when you mentioned like into adulthood. 
when do you draw the line between joking and just joking just to joke and then it being bullying? Because you have a scenario with yeah. a former teammate yeah, who after years of y'all just like, you shooting know, you, shit back and shooting the shit back and forth or you just getting on him because yeah. one thing with DeVal, if you engage in jokes. Yeah, I'm not going to stop. With him, he's A, not going to stop. And B, he's going to have a comeback every yes. single time. Every single time. So don't engage. I'm just it's, letting everybody know. Don't engage good. in any kind good. of doesn't shooting with this one because no. he's going to win. I thrive Chances in Chances are. I thrive in He that. loves that kind of It's like improv stop. class for him, right? <laughs> so you, there's a teammate of yours that you didn't realize until years later yeah. when you heard through other friends that this person don't fuck with you. He's like, he don't fuck with me. And Deval was so confused and, and and bewildered, and I think Miley kind of hurt. Like, wow, like this. No, is I wasn't Miley hurt. I was really hurt. Okay, I was I, I was, was extremely just, hurt. Yeah, I know. I won't put you out there like that, but nah, yeah, you were hurt because you felt like this was somebody that was a friend, right? And he was just like, nah, I don't fuck with Deval like that because Deval don't know when to stop. Yeah. And what what yeah. made you in that moment just feel like, damn, I I might have gone too far, or I didn't well, even know I was going too far because well, X Y Z. I know that I can be a very um, assertive person. Mm-hmm. I have a large personality. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And I have a slick mouth. I get that, right? That's why I was saying, remember when I said shit changed after college? It was because of this scenario. Yes. Um, People think bullying started in, in social media in the 2000s. That's mm-hmm. what people think, right? But there were stop the bullying campaigns when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of the TV shows that we used to watch all revolved around bullying. Yeah. You know, they all had that saved, episode. Saved by the bell. Like, yes, I think all sure. this is, it was bullies, right? Uh-huh. Never wanted to be bullied. So now right. I get to college and I get to college and I'm 5'9 at the time, 148 pounds. Mm-hmm. The first thing I said was, ain't nobody in this locker room bullying me. Mm-hmm. I was a walk-on. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Upperclassmen at that time tend to bully freshmen. Mm-hmm. So my thing is I always had to protect my space and my peace. So I'm going to walk into this locker room and I'm going to find the person that everybody seems to revolve around and may be scared of, and we're going to go back and forth because I want them <laughs> to know, like, I'm, I'm not going to be the one. Mm. So, and my way of doing that was with jokes. You know what I'm saying? So I'm never afraid to go back and forth with people. And I just wanted, I wanted to assert my space mm-hmm. in the locker room. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Now, the locker room etiquette is very different than the real world. There are things that happen in the locker room that you can't take out in the real world and just be like, oh, that's just how people are because the locker room is a different space. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like your your friend group, right? Mm-hmm. You got a friend group. Y'all can call each other bitch. Ah, bitch, bitch, what up, bitch, bitch. But you go out in the real world, somebody call you a bitch, you're going to be like, who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> right, right, right. So there's a permission that you have, like a yeah. silent permission in certain arenas that that's okay. That's certain things okay. Yeah. So in this space, I thought we were all safe and everybody was okay. Mm-hmm. You also find out that it um, doesn't matter how big a person is, Mm-hmm. how much muscle they got, how much strong they act, they can feel bullied as well mm-hmm. and not say anything. Mm-hmm. And in this case, th- that person felt like I was bullying them. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to me, they were still smiling with me and laughing with me and making me feel like everything was cool. So I kept the jokes coming and we kept joking on each other. Mm-hmm. But in the whole time, that person didn't think it was cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't think that that's bullying. You can't let me feel like things are okay and then later on say you don't fuck with me. I think that's corny. Right. If you'd have said to me like, yo, you know, I'm like, why you do you do this? Much. You're doing too right. much. I probably would have stopped. In that moment. But I thought we were both enjoying it. So I don't think that's bullying. Mm-hmm. But I do think someone with that type of personality like mine, and if I choose to continue to tell jokes on you when I know that it's not funny to you, mm-hmm. around, and you're always the butt of the joke to everybody else, mm-hmm. that's bullying. Got you. So there's an awareness 
that the person who is potentially bullying or like spewing the jokes Absolutely. an awareness you have to have. So Absolutely. had you been aware that had this I been aware, can yeah. feel good, then you would have been like, no. Right. And right. to be honest, my guard was down because I'm dealing with football players. Right. So I'm like, I'm not expecting any other football players to be upset because we're making jokes. Like that's mm -hmm. just never what I was expecting. But just because you don't expect it doesn't mean, and that's a whole nother Another podcast we're going to talk about, Get Out of My Feelings. Like, mm -hmm. you can't tell someone how to respond to what you say. Right. And I learned in that case, and that's why I've kind of dialed back how I approach and how I, I go back and forth with people because I've, I've learned that people are not always honest about what affects them. Right. Because, like what we talked about earlier, you don't want to be seen as soft. So you let things happen to you mm -hmm. be because you don't want to say anything publicly, so you just let it happen. Meanwhile, you're developing resentment towards the person that's doing it. Right. So I've learned to just be like, you know what? I don't want to have that problem. So when it comes to that back and forth, I just don't engage as much. Because right. I do go for the gusto. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the way I was taught. You want to make a joke about me, I'm going to make a joke about your mother. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You want to make a joke about my mother, I'm going to make a joke about your life. <laughs> and then people are like, damn, you got personal. I'm like, the purpose of a joke is to win. Like, I'm, right. just, you know, that's the purpose. But right. people don't play that way. No. In the 90s in Brooklyn... That's, That's how we it. used to play. Well, listen, in 2022, baby, with the heightened sensitivity, yeah. you can't joke about nothing. Think about even some of the, sh the shows and movies that we watch now can't where we see scenes things. and we're just like, damn, you can't even say that, can't no say that no more. That's picking on a particular group of people or it's just right. like, you know. You know what I noticed too? Kids who have fights end up becoming best friends. Hmm. Give you an example. Kendall Ali was my best friend since I think... 11 all the way through high school. Mm -hmm. This was my guy. Like, mm -hmm. he's my guy. You know how me and Kendall met? When I was nine, I stayed home from, I stayed home from Tennessee in um, the summer and I went to Glenwood Projects Community Summer Program, right? And I was one of the only kids from Canarsie that went to that program. Everybody else there was from Flatbush. Mm -hmm. So I was the odd man out. And, I didn't know anybody. So I'm walking into this arena with nobody. And we're at Glenwood Projects Community Center. Everybody in there is from the 50s, you know what I'm saying, from that area of Flatbush, the 40s. And here comes this kid from 101st Street. Mm -hmm. And I was, I remember me and Kendall, it was always the, you know, who, who runs the fastest? Mm -hmm. Who jumps the highest? Who's the best basketball player? Who's the best football player? And it always came down from, oh, shoot, this kid from Canarsie pretty fast. And Kendall was known at that time as the fastest kid in the program. Mm -hmm. So every they kind of pinned us against each other who's faster, Deval or Kendall, Deval or Kendall, blah, blah, blah. Plus there was a couple of girls that he liked that I liked. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was like one of those things. Right. So I'm going to get water from the water fountain. And he had his group of friends. I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And it was him and his group of friends. And I'm waiting in line for the water and I'm watching them and they laughing and whatever. And I'm just like, oh, they're going to try something. It's whatever. Whatever they try, so it's going about to be on. Mm -hmm. And it was only me and my little brother, Brian. Brian was seven at the time. <laughs> So I go to get Seven some but water. A pit bull, okay? Pitbull. My brother don't play no Still games. A pit bull. <laughs> I go to get some water and drinking the water, and I feel a hand push my head in the water. And mm. then my the water went up my nose. So I look back and it's Kendall, right? So I go, yo, chill. Right? And he goes, So I go to get some more water, right? And he pushes my head in the water. So you know what I do? I take all the water in my mouth. Fill it up like a chipmunk in my cheeks. Turn around, spit all that water in his face. <laughs> what do you think happened after that? Fight. We start fighting. We throwing punches. We slamming each other on the ground. We get broken up. And you know what happened after that? We became best friends. 
<laughs> That's how y'all break the ice? This is and, and this is the truth, though. Kids don't fight no more. Right. Kids don't fight no more. Like, um, the times have changed. Mm -hmm. Kids are often just resorting to violence too quickly. Mm -hmm. But you know what happens when those things used to happen in, in nine years old? You fight, you fight, you realize I'm not afraid of you, you're not afraid of me. We have a lot more in common mm -hmm. than we have against each other. Right. We might and as well like be And it's not like a friends. territorial thing. Like, nah. I feel like people try to be territorial with like someone coming into the new neighborhood or uh, freshmen coming into it and then the seniors and juniors are like, oh, I mean, it's like the new... It's almost like an initiation process right. that has to happen. Right. Right? And it's just is like, he, okay... Is he worthy of being a part of right. our group? Can and, he walk in this block? Can he, you know, right. <laughs> be be, in our crew? And to be honest, it, it kind of was that because me and... My, I grew up on 53rd Street in Avenue. New D. And then we moved to the hundreds. At the time, there was only white people in Canarsie. We were the third black family in Canarsie. So mm -hmm. when they looked at me and said, like, oh, where you live? And I'm like, oh, I live in Canarsie. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the flossy as it was now. This was 1993. Right. So like, oh, you live in Canarsie. You live with the white people. Like, you soft. Right. So it was like they were going to test me to see. Testing, but yeah. little did they know, I grew up in Flatbush my whole life. So Facts. I was with whatever. Yep. And, that's, and, that, and I think sometimes you're going to get tested in life. And how you respond to the test is going to determine how the trajectory of your life goes. Mm -hmm. And I want to empower not only parents with their kids, but parents with themselves, mm -hmm. right? Learn how to speak power into your spouse, into the, your significant other, because you don't know what your significant other or your spouse goes through when they're at work. Right. You don't know if they're being bullied at work. You don't mm -hmm. know if they're, you know, if their boss is, is overstepping boundaries. So... When you can empower your spouse or your significant other to feel confident mm -hmm. and breed confidence into them when they walk out into the world, you're helping them not be a victim. Yeah. And that's the most important part is like, what are we doing to help the people we love? Rather than pointing the finger at everyone else in society and saying, y'all need to teach y'all people. Right. What are we doing? Right. Right. Gentlemen, what are you doing to speak power into your women and your wives so they can go out in the world and feel confident? Ladies. Mm -hmm. What kind of power are you speaking into your men so when they go out in the world, they don't feel like they're being bullied by everyone else and then coming home mm. and then once again being bullied? Because there ain't mm -hmm. nothing like coming home after a hard day's work and having your significant other or your mom or your dad or your mm -hmm. older brother say to you, you ain't shit, you ain't going to be shit, you ain't never going to be shit. Now you're getting bullied at home and now the victim uh, victimizing of yourself starts in the very beginning of your day. So yeah. I just want to empower people to... You know, when you look at the person across from you that you love, take the time to just speak some words of power and make them feel confident. And also, choose a time that's good because Kadeem will tell you that since she was in college, I've been teaching her techniques to defend herself. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about self-defense. Try me. <laughs> we've talked about boxing. I've, I've talked about taking her to the range. We haven't gone to the gun range yet, but I'm taking her. But it's also a, a responsible thing to make sure that you give them the necessary tools mm -hmm. to not be a victim. To not be a victim, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, I'm and not then just it's like a worst case scenario if you need to defend yourself. Exactly. Then exactly. you can call on the things that you were taught, whether it's defense or, you know, yes. taekwondo or martial arts or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got you. So it's all cool. about giving them the tools, but also giving them the emotional tools to feel okay with who they are. I love that. And that's how we can prevent bullying the best. All the other things will help mm -hmm. but that empowerment helps the most and it starts at home awesome yes. all right now's a good point i think that we should take another quick break and then move into some listener letters but let's get into these ads first okay we'll be back you may be aware that most people who are black have o blood type 
O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here... They're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages, so no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this. Near, yes, near, the OG that I used for years has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay? It works in as little as three minutes. No nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me-time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. All right, now we're back with some listener letters. I'm going to dive into the first one. First, I just want to say, Kadena, I think you are my kindred spirit. Oh, seriously? My parents are from Jamaica, but I was born in Florida. My boyfriend is American and was born and raised in New York. I love listening to you both. Thank you, sis. So, you know, Caribbean households do not discuss taboo topics. So I've learned so much from this podcast. My boyfriend and I have been together for a year now, but previously had a friends with benefits relationship due to the way the relationship started and both of us becoming more spiritual in the last year. I 
proposed celibacy. My boyfriend thought it was a good idea, but struggles a lot with it. And we have. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. My bad. Go ahead. Finish. We have caved a couple times, but also remain adamant about trying again. We've talked about marriage and see it as plan. See it in the plans for us within the next two years. Mm. What do you both think? Is it worth it to take a break from sex, sex to strengthen our relationship in other ways? Is that something you wish you all would have done? Or do you think that it just... it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Or do you think that it would have made a difference? I really want him to be my husband and just want to set us up for success. Would love to know your thoughts. <laughs> Why'd you laugh? No, I just, I just, okay. What I was thinking, okay. Actually, she kind of proved, right? Okay. Right. I was thinking she proposed celibacy because she's just like, I want to get married. And if I say I'm going to be celibate, oh. I'm married. So you look at the last sentence. It says, I really want him to be my husband and I just want to set us up for success. Uh-huh. I personally feel like it's like. That's her putting pressure on him. Yes. I feel like it's like we've been having sex all this time. Let's practice celibacy until we get married. Yes, and then sis. it's like. I'm just that's just my thoughts. I could be wrong. Right. Okay. But it's just I, I like, can see that. But my thing when I first read this was like, sis, is it really that big of a deal to stop now like y'all already started it's different if you went into it with that mantra and you were like listen i'm saving myself for marriage blah 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 but it's like you know bringing the horse to the water in the heat of the desert <laughs> and he gets to drinking and then you take him away and be like no you're just gonna stay in here and just burn because let me we tell y'all something like, let me tell y'all something Kadeen tried remember when we were man. engaged remember we were engaged and then after we were engaged you mm -hmm. were just like how about how about we practice celibacy until we get married, right? I said the month before, yes. The month before. I did. I was she like, how about that before. month before, you know? Do you know my I reasoning, said, though? I cool. I remember. But do you remember that you couldn't take it? Absolutely not. I, uh, guys, <laughs> listen to me. Guys, I wanted to do it because I'm all about tests. I'm all about testing right. the will. So I was like, I'm about to do this, right? We were still living together, mm -hmm. right? And who's pulling on me in nighttime? I'm talking about something. <laughs> can you just... Who, who was it? It was me. Yes. It was me. So my thing was, it was twofold, right? After we got engaged and all that mm -hmm. good stuff, of course, we were clearly sexually active um, right. consistently forever mm -hmm. before that. Um, but there's two things for me. It was one kind of feeling like, all right, like I want our wedding night to be a special, special thing. night. I get it. And I was I get like, it. okay, maybe if we like stop for the month before, then it would be like, who like this mm -hmm. build up to this, you know, phenomenal mm -hmm. night that we would have our wedding night. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> the second was I had gotten off of birth control that May. And I was like, man, I was just like, I don't really want to get pregnant like now. Oh, you ain't even tell I me that. I was like, okay, she, since she we got off the birth believe control. You had all of these <laughs> philosophical reasons. And the only reason why you didn't want to do it is because you ain't want to get pregnant. Yeah, and I was just like, no, I was just like, I really want to just get pregnant, like right, like Yo. after the wedding, not beforehand. So if I run the risk of that, then you know. So yeah, I thought you you were talking about our spirits. You was you was worried about your womb. Well, I wasn't worried you about the, No, it wasn't even just the spirits. I just wanted there to be an excitement that was something different because it was like, oh my god, now I'm finally having sex or making love to my husband that night. So it wasn't really like a huge like. You know, I'm doing this for my soul and my, my spirit. She was worried she wasn't going to fit in that dress if she got pregnant before the wedding. <laughs> That's what it was. A month before. A month before. Because we had this gotten is off, news to me, I though. I had gotten off birth control because I was like, you know, we knew that we wanted to have children right away. Yeah. And then so said, so done. Honeymoon baby with Jackson. So, but yeah, girl, I mean, unless you felt like there was something specific that you guys had to work on. Like, I understand the whole spirituality thing and you yeah. guys working on that. Um, but to me... As you know, as a Jamaican, we say, what do is done. Mm. You did it already. <laughs> you know? So look, I, do, I can see why it's difficult for homeboy. I, I do believe, too, though, that not having sex in a relationship does allow some room for clarity. 
mentally. Oh, for sure. Yes. You know, because you know if you're here for the right reasons or right. not, right? So are you here just because we get to have sex mm-hmm. or are you here for other things? Do I offer anything more? Mm-hmm. So I do understand it. And if it works for y'all, it works for y'all. Like, I don't ever say this don't this won't work or that won't work because our whole marriage people have been telling us that what we've been doing Absolutely. is not going to work. So I'm never going to so say true. what's not going to work. I'm just making sure that you are deliberate mm-hmm. about why you're doing it and right. often communicating through the process because most people just do stuff and don't have a reason or won't communicate with their partner why they're doing it. Right. Just make sure that y'all are constantly communicating and working together. And it could be fun, you know, like um those those that month. Those two weeks because Kadeen <laughs> caved, right? I did. Not knowing whether I was going to have sex night and seeing Kay, she was looking real good. And I, I was, you know, flirting with her, feeling on, doing all the things that you do when you first start dating someone. Mm-hmm. And it was refreshing right. to get back to not knowing if you're going to crack the code. Right. Because that's right. what gentlemen we wanted. We want to crack the code. <laughs> we want to see if that padlock on that puzzle. <laughs> if the padlock on that puzzle, then if I could crack the code, and get that puzzle. <laughs> so so it was fun. It was fun. So you want to try that now? No. Um, I already cracked the code on the parsley. <laughs> I got four gifts from the parsley. So I'm going to just keep taking the parsley. Okay? Period. <laughs> Period. Hope that helps. Parsley. All right. On to number two. <laughs> All right. Number two. I've been with my partner now since 2016. We went on and off until September of 2019 and then began, oh, then we've been together. I made it very clear to my partner when we got together that my end goal was marriage and my plan was to still go to law school. We are now almost eight years and in and no proposal engagement. He doesn't even know what ring size I had I wear and or has attempted to ask me what kind of ring style I like. He will tell you that this this is funny, right? This is this was funny to mm-hmm. me. When I said the thing about pressure mm-hmm. and everybody was coming at me mm-hmm. and all these women were saying, like, we don't be pressuring y'all two back to back talk about said, I want this, I want that. But when I said that there was pressure. Niggas was mad. Mad, I'm mad. Just pointing it was that big out. mad. You right, okay? baby. You right. right. Hey. He will tell you that his finances for him. He probably listened to the podcast and let me use this. <laughs> <laughs> However, I've been there through all of his financial struggles and even helped him out a few of his bonds before. I've been patiently waiting for him to pursue his dreams. Now he is living it and more financially stable as a content creator. Mind you, when we lived in our one bedroom apartment in 2020, he wanted a kid. I was not comfortable with having a kid in a one-bedroom apartment. Sounds like us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We wasn't in a one-bedroom apartment, but we didn't want to have as many kids as we had in that apartment. Mm -hmm. And no real financial plan. We survived the pandemic, bought our first condo, and three months later, I got pregnant. I had her and still planned to start law school. I know um, he knows I wanted to have our union finalized prior to him, prior to me going to law school so I don't have to worry about doing a name change and I can build my reputation in the legal community with my new last name. That's what it is, the new last name, because she won't be able to build the career without the new last name. Mm, good develop over here. Cracking the code. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking yeah, the code. Code of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I am now to the point where I'm not even excited about the thought of us becoming one and feel that I am slowly mentally leaving the relationship due to all the false promises of him saying to me he's going to be with me regardless of kid or no kid. He said he has a plan for the whole thing, but it's hard for me to believe at this point considering I am always... The one that brings up marriage, I refuse to be 30 and a living girlfriend, as Kay would say, after eight years. Uh, I'm ready to give Kay. You also lied. It was not eight years. What do you mean? It was not eight years. You keep telling people. Oh, no, no, no. But she said, uh, as Kay would say, after eight years. But remember, you had said that we were together for eight years before I proposed? Yeah, we started at 18 and 26. 
No, Kadeen. I proposed to you in 2008. We got together in 2002. How many years is that? Okay, six. <laughs> six, eight, same shit. It's oh, yo, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. It was a long ass time. It's a, That's a all whole I knew. two year difference. It's a whole 712 days difference. And the same thing. A long time. Yo, yo, uh, yo, yo. Yo, it ain't okay. a long time regardless. All right. So Come two on, years, the two year difference don't matter? Not much. All right. So next time you ask me for something, I'm going to make you wait two years. And you tell me, <laughs> you tell me if that two years makes a difference. All right. Um, oh I'm ready to God. give an ultimatum. Pressure. Or just leave at this point. Am I being unreasonable? Please help. Well, shit, since you got all the answers to answer her. So look. Since you, okay, answer her because you, you're you speaking from, she's asking about this from a man who now she's thinking to give some sort of ultimatum to which is what you felt I've like I answered, gave you because so. I've answered this question so many times well, answer but, it for her no again. no no Maybe listen no listen they have a plan right mm -hmm. his plan may not be moving fast enough for her but clearly they have a plan they have a baby he bought a condo they bought a condo together okay He's like doing, this does sound similar. I bought a house. Yes, you did. Right? I bought a house together for us. Mm -hmm. We both lived in the house. But even with that, you still thought we had to get married because it would be better for your timeline. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is just because a man is not moving on your timeline doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan. Like, like we don't know what his, his financial plan looks like for when he feels he's going to be ready. For example... When you plan a wedding, you have to have money to get a ring. There's none of this falls on the woman, which is what to me I, I want to make clear. We have to buy a ring. We have to pay for an uh, it's not an engagement shoot. What is it called? The proposal party, right? Oh, right? True, because that that joint that it'd be right? next level now. Right. You can't so, roll over in the bed and propose to somebody. Okay? We got to get the ring. Make it an Instagramable. We moment. have to play the proposal, <laughs> plan a proposal party. There's no longer time where it's like. Her parents are going to pay for the wedding. He also has to save money to pay, help pay for the wedding. And then they have to exist as a couple after that. Yeah. There's a lot you of You don't just make parts. a couple thousand dollars and say, I'm ready for all of that. Like right. there's a plan that is needed. And I don't right. think women are understanding that there is a plan. Mm -hmm. Like I have to have a certain amount of finances to be able to make that jump and then have a nest egg to survive that jump once we get married. Right. I mean, sis, I wouldn't say jump ship so soon, too, because what you want to ask yourself, too, which is something that you kind of proved in your piece here. Has he been a man of his word so far? Has he been somebody that has a plan, is putting wheels in motions to be able to afford you guys the lifestyle to live more comfortably? So it seems like getting this condo even during the pandemic and all that was something of paramount importance to him. Um, maybe she felt like she compromised by getting pregnant because he wanted to have a child house or not. And she went ahead and did that. So now she feels like, all right, well, we got the house, we have the baby, and now I'm ready to move on to what the next phase of life is. Right. I know what that feels like because right. I felt the same way too. Did I ever really feel like you weren't serious about me or that you weren't serious about our relationship? That wasn't it. But again, I was succumbing to this, you know, timeline of my that. life and, and where I should be at certain phases. And that. I've said before that, you know, now you realize that that timeline is not necessarily... Um, something that's true based on social right. you know norms I just but. want to put this out there I played in the National Football League for three years made close to a million dollars right in those three years 275 365 and then four it was 455 right mm -hmm. even still when I bought that house and were we prepared financially 
for the next step of our life. Mm-hmm. Even with all that money that I made. Mm-hmm. Were we prepared? No. No. We and and, I, and I'm saying that because I'm like, here's a guy who's making in the top 1% of the country, mm-hmm. making that type of money. Mm-hmm. I wasn't spending it frivolously. I did buy some property to help with investments. We did buy a home for us to live in. Mm-hmm. And even still after the recession, because we're currently in a recession and had to go through the pandemic, mm-hmm. which means there still probably are some financial hardships. I still wasn't prepared for the type of wedding you want and to live the type of life we wanted after the wedding. Right. And I say that because a lot of these women are saying, well, he need to figure this out. It's not easy. Stuff is expensive. It is. That's Getting so a true. ring planning planning uh the proper proposal having a wedding and then having the finances to raise a family is no small order for somebody it isn't it isn't i have to agree like sis nowadays i mean and this was our struggle 20 years ago Yes. You know what I'm saying? Or 15, well no, we this were is together 20 12 years, years ago. 12 years 12 ago 12 years this is our struggle 12 years and ago the way things have evolved it's like people look at you sideways when you have a corny quote unquote proposal or if it's not a moment that can be Yo. shared on social media no, let's, forget all that. Let's 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 forget all that. Let's break down the numbers, right? Let's break down the numbers, because I've been helping my boys propose for the last four years. <laughs> yes, we're right at that now phase in, life. in 2022. If you want to get a decent sized ring for your girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. It's about ten thousand dollars per carat, considering just the solitary solitary stone, mm-hmm. right? That's just, if you want to get a nice joint. If you want to get a nice joint, it's just just like a single solitary stone, not the not the what do they call it when they uh, um, the invisible when it's a bunch the of small stones put together. Setting, right? right, you can That's get different. an invisible set ring, and this is no shade on anybody. Yeah, you can get an invisible set ring for fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It can be big, it'll be shiny, it'll have a bunch of small diamonds over it. But the problem is, a lot of women are saying, "I want two carats, I want three carats." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even if you buy a one carat solitaire diamond ring. With a good setting, that's going to cost you about $15,000. Mm-hmm. The stone itself at one carat is going to be 10000 plus the diamonds around it are going to cost you an additional five. Right. 15000 for a one carat. Mm-hmm. Two carats looking at twenty five. Three carats you're looking at over $30,000. Mm. Right? Baby. I'm just saying this is what <laughs> men are going through, right? Right. Now I have to get a venue... I have to hire a videographer. I have to hire a photographer. Mm-hmm. I have to invite all of your friends and my friends and create this experience, right? right. We've seen people get engaged in the last two years. Those things can that cost anywhere between t- between ten and twenty thousand dollars for just the proposal, mm-hmm. right? That's that's m- money. <laughs> like right. I just hear so many women saying, like, "There's no financial plan. I want to get engaged. I want to get proposed." It's like, yo, I don't think women understand how much goes into trying to create this perfect moment for you guys. Mm-hmm. And to constantly hear it's like time is ticking and you're not doing it, that's hard it's for hard. a lot of dudes, bro. I can totally see that. Because my boys was stressed, bro. Yeah. And I'm talking about good guys who wanted to get married, who had right. good jobs, right. but also had bills and were also thinking like, mm-hmm. damn, I can't spend $50,000 on the ring and this right now because then I won't have the money Mm-hmm. To plan the wedding, mm-hmm. and then I'll be I'll be in, I'll be freaking engaged for four to five years. Yep, you know what I'm saying to build it up, and then once I have the wedding, I'll be back in financial hardship after we get married. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. I just I just I really need I really because we talked about this. I really need people to understand. Number one, you don't need that much to get engaged. Right. Right. That is true. You don't need that much. Because but then I understand. what happens after you're engaged and there's a talk of, so when's the wedding? And then the yes. wedding plans get piled on and you can see why so many men are just hate the entire process <laughs> of being engaged just, and getting married. I'm just being married. honest. Yeah. I'm just being honest. Totally get that. Because also I, ask, I have a question for you, right? Mm-hmm. What do women think about 
They just sit back and wait to get proposed to. Right. They not saving no money to say I'm going to put in on my own ring. Right? Y'all, I woman, mean, I would, I definitely didn't put in my own ring. And I, I'm sure people would be looking at people sideways when you say, right. hey, she's, she's helping to buy her own ring. Exactly. You know? So, also, we have people who got engaged mm-hmm. and their significant others spent money on the engagement event. Right. Did the woman bring anything to that? Right. Or no. did they just show up? Yep, they showed up. So so we have to have an understanding. You're showing right. up with ultimatums and time saying this has to happen. And this man is supposed to make all of this beauty happen for you. Mm-hmm. What are you bringing when you come to the proposal? Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I can't even. And I got four boys. I so this won't be the conversation I have with them. That is absolutely a fact. That is absolutely a fact. I mean, me now that I'm older, clearly, you know, at least 10 years since you've proposed and we've planned a wedding and everything, my mindset has significantly changed. But I can see how girls in their 20s feel that way, um, especially Bro. when you have this like roadmap for your life that you're Bro. attempting to follow and attempting to fulfill. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult out here. And, y'all be and, being bullies. Y'all couples, <laughs> y'all couples be contending with a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Well, how appropriate was that? The bullying episode in here. We have two bullies trying to get married. <laughs> Let me bully this nigga into getting married. <laughs> Yo, and, and, and the thing is, Full I'm not- Full circle moment for the episode. I'm not trying to discredit the fact that the biological clock and timeline for women are completely different right. for men. I'm not that, trying that to discredit that at all. That is a very that real thing. That is true because once a woman hits 30, then now- oh, Pregnancy becomes she, harder. But even so, she becomes like a, a, a damaged good. Like guys, you know, in their prime or women in their prime, people want to say that. I ain't gonna say that. We've had the discussion about women in their thirties, and men feeling like they don't want to deal with women in their thirties because they already come with baggage and they've already been jaded. Blah 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 blah. So you don't want to then fall into that category just by default because homeboy's over here, quote unquote, dragging his feet or making a plan. But I wasn't. I wasn't talking about. I was talking about as far as like the biological clock is very real. Oh, for sure. When you got into your thirties. Pregnancy became harder. Once you got into mm-hmm. your mid-30s, pregnancy became harder, childbirth became harder, and then the after Aftermath. pregnancy became harder. So it is very real. Absolutely. Like we're not gonna discredit the fact that women are dealing with a lot of, a different clock, which is why that, is that type of pressure comes. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some empathy on both sides. Like you can't just tell a man, like, where we at, I'm giving you an ultimatum or I'm out. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's no, like, sure. yo, mm-hmm. stuff is expensive. When I was watching, I was watching people go through planning. I was like, what are my boys going to have to pay to get to get engaged? Listen. You know what I'm saying? If it's $10,000 per carat now, if they marry somebody who's like their mom. Because mm. you, <laughs> you sitting on some rockets right now. You, you sitting on some rockets. And I was able to upgrade it every year. Right. But if I would have bought the same ring that I bought the first time right. now. Yeah. Because like, you've upgraded my ring twice. And that's a realistic thing, too. I think some people too off the bat want it to be this like... You know, give me, grand you know, thing, this yes, grand yes. thing. But also, too, like, we didn't start there. Like, this was like a... No. And I was playing ball. Right. I was playing ball and Kadeen's rock was a carrot and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Carrot and a quarter. Beautiful because ring. I was It was yeah. beautiful. But, beautiful. But it was also like, I was not going to put myself in a financial hardship to live up to what all of my counterparts at the time, you know. Right. They were, I had roommates, not roommates, I had teammates who four or five carrot rings off the bat because mm-hmm. you was a first round pick. I couldn't compete with that. Nope. You know what I'm saying? So Listen, don't be competing with people around you either. That's a surefire way to be disappointed. All right. Hope we helped you out loud today. Um, If you'd like to be featured as one of our listener letters, make sure you email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. That's D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com.
All right. We're talking bullying today. And the moment of truth, I think for me, is pretty simple. The one thing that stands out in my mind is that whatever you speak into, whether it's your children, your spouse, mm-hmm. your partner, your coworker, your employee, whatever the case may be, speaking negativity into someone will manifest yes. them to feel negatively about themselves. Yes. And I think if more of us try to empower people and try to yes. harp on their strengths, you know, and then aid them in their weaknesses, yes. then we'd be a lot further along and bullying would probably be happening at a lesser rate. Yes. Control what you can control in your household. I'm going to speak from a, a man's standpoint. Give the people around you the tools to not be victims. Mm. Let that be your wife, significant other, baby mother, kids, mm-hmm. younger siblings. Mm-hmm. As the leader, the man of the house, you have a responsibility to make sure that they have the tools to defend themselves and not be victims. Yep. Which means you speak power into them constantly. Let them understood that they are backed up by someone at all times. But then you also teach them to defend themselves mentally mm-hmm. by giving them words. You know, have a strong command of the human of, of the English language right. or, or Spanish or whatever language you speak to be able to defend themselves verbally. Mm-hmm. Right. Give them the tool to defend themselves physically. I taught Kay some judo, some jujitsu, sure some taekwondo. All Try my sons, all, <laughs> all my sons box. All my sons will be taking jujitsu as well when they become of age because I don't, I don't play with that. Mm-hmm. Also, I will be taking my wife to the gun range so she can defend herself when she's yep. out here in the streets. And my sons will be going to the gun range as well. Yep. I know that gun violence is a very important thing in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we as the, the black community, because I am a black dad who has a black wife with black children, also understand that we have the right to arm ourselves and know how to use guns responsibly. Yep. Okay. So I feel like you have to arm the people around you and defend the people or teach the people around you to defend themselves so they don't become victims. Mm -hmm. And that's how we can help with this bullying uh, epidemic. All right. Sounds good. Yes. Love that, love that, love that. Be sure. Now, I'm going to bully y'all real quick into following on some social media. (laughs) If you don't already, pull out your phone, go to Instagram or wherever you're at and type in Deadass the Podcast. And of course, Kadeen, I am. And I am Devout. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Fuck bullies. Deadass. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at DeadassThePodcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now.